Harvey, I'm confident represents sort of the reasonable worst case scenario. Like, like in our lifetimes, if we see another flood storm like that, you know, we need to get, we need to get out. <laughs> Houston will not be home okay? <laughs> anymore if that happens again, because that was really a historic storm. Hey, y'all. Thanks for finding the Houston is Home podcast, where we celebrate the people and places that make Houston home. Every time you listen, we hope you learn something new about the greater Houston area, from inside the loop to the suburbs, maybe a cool spot you haven't visited, or hear an amazing story from someone who calls Houston home. We're glad you're here with us, and we hope you enjoy. We're so glad to be back here at the Houston is Home podcast, and we have an amazing guest. Uh, Eric Berger, who is a certified meteorologist. Eric has written about weather in the Houston area for more than a decade. You may have seen his hurricane coverage in the Houston Chronicle as Eric Saigai Berger, but now he brings that same kind of no-nonsense coverage of weather in and around Houston, the space city weather. Eric, we're so glad to have you here. Um, We're just passionate about what you do and the the knowledge and everything that you share with our great city. So first off, we're we're grateful for you and we want to share that and just grateful for the time that we have with you today. So um, I appreciate that. Well, it's nice to talk to you today, Austin and Charity. Yeah, definitely. So tell us a little bit about yourself. How long have uh, really, what got you into weather and meteorology and, and going through that route? Yeah, so it's, it's, it's almost a, a two decades old now. Um, but the real formative event for me was, um, was Tropical Storm Allison back in 2001. Um, that was a major flood storm for the Texas Medical Center in, in near downtown Houston and parts of the eastern city. And I, and I distinctly remember it because that night, you know, I had been a, a, a reporter at the Chronicle by then for a couple of years. Um, and with some friends that night, it was a Friday night. Um, and we went out to see a show on uh, Washington uh, to see Bob Schneider actually play. And I remember being in the club and hearing the sound of rain on the roof being louder than the music itself. Um, I'd only been in Houston at that point um, for about four years. So I'd never really experienced a a true tropical event. Um, And so when when I walked outside, I don't know, it was like 11, 11.30, maybe midnight, sort of the intensity of it all was pretty overwhelming. And at the time I had just bought a house in Oak Forest, um, which is a neighborhood, north of I-610 along White Oak Bayou. And I remember I was not able to drive uh, from Washington Avenue across I-10 to get up there to um, to, to my house because I-10 was a canal and, and some of the roads were, were underwater. And so I remember parking on a median and some of my other friends either were in Montrose or other places. And so we sort of linked back up. And I just remember that night sort of tromping around um, kind of the Montrose area um, pretty much all night because I couldn't get home. And it was just kind of wild to be out in this tropical storm. So, you know, you did everything you're not supposed to do, right? Walk into high water and things like that. But I was, I was, I was younger than in my 20s. So it was really kind of an adventure. And I, and I just remember after that, I, you know, I had a background in astronomy. And so I was writing about science for the Chronicle. Um, I just never really wanted to be caught by surprise like that again. Because I certainly had not expected that kind of situation. I mean, it was pretty oblivious to it. And so it just kind of became more and more interested in weather after that. 
Uh, that's so cool. And like, thank you so much for sharing. And I mean, like Houston is home is our podcast. So we want to be able to share insight into that. And you're moving to Houston. What did you know about Houston's weather before you got here? And um, like, did you expect some of those things? I know that was really <laughs> the first storm that you saw, but what was that process for you? And how, how did that kind of come about? Well, you know, I grew up in Michigan. And so I was, you know, had never really seen a hurricane or a tropical storm or really thought all that much about them. And then I went to school at the University of Texas and some other places as graduate school in Missouri. And so I ended up down here in, in 97. Um, and I knew what I knew about the weather was it was hot. Um, I lived in Texas um, for a few years in Austin, but you don't really get the full humidity effect in Austin that you do in Houston. So I you know, knew it was hot and humid. Um, I didn't also realize that, you know, at times highways turn into rivers. Which, <laughs> which happened during Austin and has happened subsequently in several other storms as well. Yeah, awesome. So right now, so you, you're working with Space City Weather, so you've kind of transitioned from that writing with the Houston Chronicle into Space City Weather. What was kind of, did you, did you expect to have the following that you have now through that and how the opportunity to share the message that you get to share and keep people safe really? You know, the answer to that is no, it's, it's interesting. Um, Back in 2005 uh, with hurricanes, Katrina and Rita, I did a fair amount of writing about weather online, blogging um, at the time. And again, during Hurricane Ike, um, I did similar kind of thing. I wasn't, I wasn't a meteorologist then, but just kind of sort of helping people understand what expectations of what they could you know, anticipate, um, what, we, what was known and what was not known, really from a reporting standpoint. And that, that had proven you know, really popular during Ike. Um, which was in 2008, a category two hurricane that had this huge storm surge that pushed into you know, Galveston and, and Bolivar. Um, but then after that, there really wasn't that much crazy weather from 2008 onward. We had this, we had a really bad drought and heat in, in 2011, um, but, but nothing in the, in the tropics really that was, was kind of crazy. And so I had gone on and gotten my certification in meteorology and was writing about it, and, but sort of like, attention in in weather sort of you know is, is pretty flat most of the time then when something extreme happens it goes way up and, and then it comes back down so I, I remember you know I did, did decide to leave the chronicle in the fall of 2015 so almost five years ago um, and the idea was I was going to go work for a publication called Ars Technica and write about space which is something I'm, I'm really interested in and and you know I, I had a following at the chronicle for weather, I wouldn't say it was huge, but there were certainly some people who appreciated. And I remember, you know, that weekend we were just beginning to see some of these really big rain events, like the Memorial Day floods, um, some things like that in the 2015, 2016 timeframe. Um, and so I just decided, that, you know, one of those things was going to happen that weekend, and I, I was just going to start a little weather site to, to kind of keep it. Going. It was really just a hobby. And it just kind of blew up from there once you get once you really got started. That's so cool. Well, it didn't it, it didn't blow up immediately, as Terry alluded to earlier. I mean, it was it was really Hurricane Harvey that that precipitated kind of the, the explosive growth because you know we had never done any kind of advertising, um, and so really it was you know people telling friends and family members that that we were a good place to get information, and so you know it, it was during during Harvey that we had this explosive growth in terms of attention um, on Facebook and Twitter that the people just really shared the site and it went pretty viral. 
Um, and one day, I think it was the Sunday, so it rained really hard Saturday, Saturday night, and then Sunday morning. Um, that, that Sunday, yeah, I think we did over 1 million page views, which, which was our record until Hurricane Laura. And then we pulled yeah. <laughs> that away during Laura. But that was really sort of the, the, when we kind of exploded into the, the public consciousness, I think, in Houston. Yeah, it, it's so cool, especially right now, coming towards the end of hurricane season. Um, it's interesting to see like how people were tuning into you with Hurricane Laura and with uh, Tropical Storm uh, Beta just recently, like mm -hmm. what people were looking for and looking for you as a resource to them to keep them safe, to let them know what's going, and going on and what's happening through the process. And like Charity mentioned, that, that no, no hype, like you just give it to us how it is. This is what we see. It could change um, and not like guaranteeing anything, but this is what you're seeing. This is the real process and people are taking that in and, and it's not, they don't, people aren't freaking out from it as much and they're just able to prepare and know what's actually coming. So I appreciate you for that as well. Um, so on the blogging format, that's something that I was wondering about because, you know, most weather that we see is video forecasting, you know, with all the swirls. I was telling Austin, there's all the swirls. And you're like, what does it mean? But I can go to your site and I can actually understand what it means for me personally. And that's what I appreciate the most. Um, but what, what made you choose to do blogging as a format? Um, well, I've never been. <laughs> I mean, look, I've never really been one for video, um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I did, I started blogging way back in, in 2005 and it's just seemed like a really convenient way yeah. to communicate with people. I mean, I, I'm, I think I'm best in communicating in the written form. Um, and so that was a, a good way. So like, so like one of the interesting things was, you know, before the internet, if you were writing for a newspaper, which I was, and you wanted to communicate information about weather, you know, at the very latest, you were writing on a 10 p.m. deadline, right? And so the paper would come out the next morning. Someone would get it six, seven, eight o'clock in the morning. And by then, the forecast was 12 hours old. Right. And, and, and you can see, you know, significant changes in, in the forecast in that time. And so, you know, when the Internet came along and, and, and I was able to embrace it at the Chronicle, it really did sort of flatten that advantage that TV had. Um, and certainly, you know, a TV station has, has much more resources in terms of they have graphics packages that they buy that, that are produced by private companies that, that, that send them to them and they can get on and talk sort of, you know, videos and, and very sort of graphically put it together. But what I like about our site is that, you know, it's really just kind of what we think people probably ought to know about a given storm, like, you know, what we know what we don't and here's when we may know more and so you know if you're if you if you're looking for that information you don't have to maybe sit through you know 20 minutes of of sort of, of banter and, and some information and someone's out in the field you know um with with water coming up and then then there's a forecast and there's commercial mm -hmm. whatever and then and that's fine I mean, i'm not criticizing tv at all mm -hmm. um they have their own they have their own business and, and so forth but for us, it was really just a way to kind of just give people the information that they need in a pretty simple and straightforward way. Absolutely. I love that you tell me when your next update is coming, because that's always the question. <laughs> my husband says my favorite question is, and then what? And what happens next? So I always know when to expect the next update, and I'm checking back in. So thank you for that. That's really helpful.
Um, now, if you'll, if you'll notice, you'll notice on that. Now, I always beat the deadline by thirty or forty-five minutes. You do. You do. I'm impressed. You're always pushing, and that's because I've been a journalist for twenty years, so I'm very used to writing on writing on deadlines. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Every time I go there at the time you said it's already up. So thank you for that. Cause especially when your, your Creek is flooding and you're wondering what's going on. It's, it's comforting to know somebody's out there. They're watching, they're going to give me an update. So thank you. What's the best part about what you do now and space city weather and, and blogging and. You know, I'll tell you, I'll tell you. Um, I've been, I've been in Houston now for, for almost 25 years. Um, you know, I met my wife here, we've raised our family here, um, met a lot of good friends here. And it's just been, it's been a, it's been a great place to live. So I, I like the theme of your, your podcast, but it's been, it's been, it's been, Houston's been really good to me, right? I've had a successful career. Um, and so it's, it's nice to be able to sort of slot into the community and, and give back in a, in a meaningful way. Um, and it's, it's really been interesting to me to see how Space City Weather's profile has grown and how we're really viewed by a lot of people in Houston as like a valued resource, right? Yeah. Um, and that's not, that's, not to my, that's not trying to toot my horn. It's just like saying like, you know, a lot of people do rely on us and, and, and look to us for what's really going to happen in, in sort of this age of uncertainty. Uh, about information. And so I think that, that, that being able to give back to a community that has been so good to us is, is something that Matt and I really, really value. Yeah. And congratulations to Matt on his new baby right during yeah. beta. <laughs> How's yeah. that for coworker? <laughs> Respect. Yeah, yeah, it's nice. <laughs> It's nice to have older kids in, in, in times of a storm because you can really focus in. Yeah. Like, Y'all need to go entertain yourselves. And they're like, yeah, they're not quite as unpredictable as those newborns. So what's the most challenging part about what you do? You know, sometimes it's really difficult to separate, you know, the emotions that you're feeling with sort of trying to get out of forecast, right? Because, you know, I remember, you know, during Harvey, um, that's, that's Saturday night, Sunday morning. I mean, when, when you're just sitting there listening to the rain come pounding down forever and ever, you know, it emotionally, you know, I'm feeling everything else, you know, things that everyone else in the community is feeling like I have a house, you know, I have a house too, that's threatened, you know? And so it's, it's really sort of processing that while also keeping focused on the forecast you know, all the time. And because it is such a lean operation, it is just Matt and I, like, you know, during, during those long events and Harvey was like a 10 day event and, 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 and Laura was like a week long event and Beta was a week long event. It's like, you know, it's all day, every day. And so it just, it becomes a grind um, to sort of deal with that on top of sort of your own, your own issues. Um, yeah. So, yeah. I can imagine for sure, especially having your own personal experience that was um, traumatizing in the beginning. Like, what are we living through? And knowing that other people are feeling that too, and trying to still provide a calm, truthful, um, valuable resource to them. So, yeah, it's hard, yeah. it's hard to remain calm when you know your part of your brain is screaming, like, oh my God. <laughs> you know? It's really hard to stay within your no hype. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <right. laughs> But we appreciate you doing that. So what do you and your family do um, personally to prepare for hurricane season with you knowing so much 
now. Um, I, I mean, it's just, it's basically, there's, there's a few steps you can, you can take that we, we take, obviously, you know, we make sure that there are enough supplies to, to, to ride out a hurricane. And so that's having a few extra cases of bottled water sitting around um, in July, August, and September. Um, that's having all of our important documents, insurance papers, tax documents, you know, identification, um, things like that in a, in a safe, safe location in the house so that, you know, worst comes to worst, so we need to grab that and go, you know, we can. Um, and it's really, really having an understanding of the different risks that, that your home is vulnerable. So if you like, if you live in Seabrook, right on the water, you're not vulnerable at all to an inland rainfall flooding event. Because if it rains 25 inches in Seabrook, that water is just running into the Gal into Galveston Bay and out in the Gulf of Mexico. Like you are not going to flood, you know, during an inland rainfall event, um, typically, like you would in, you know, in West Houston or in, 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 right. uh, in Lake City or so forth. Um, whereas if, if you're in, in West Houston along, you know, one of the big reservoirs, the Addicts Parker area, you know, you are not at risk for storm surge, right? You, you could get a 40 foot storm surge, which has never happened, but you could get a 40 foot storm surge and, and you're fine. Um, however, you are vulnerable to inland rainfall um, due to proximity to those reservoirs. And you're, you know, the final thing is, is wind. Like, like, you know, if you're on Galveston Island, you're a lot more vulnerable to wind than you are, say, you know, if you live near Hobby Airport, and you're a lot less vulnerable to wind if you're in Katy or the Woodlands. So it's it's, you know, each person sort of needs to understand. Okay, what are the vulnerabilities of my house or business to hurricanes, different threats? How can I address those threats in advance? And then at what point would those threats become great enough for me that I would actually evacuate? And so if you identify, if you sort of figure all that out. And then, you know, decide, okay, and if I were to evacuate, where would I go? Um, and, you know, a good tip is, you know, if there's a storm in the Gulf that, you know, we think could potentially threaten Houston, you know, I'm making a hotel reservation or mm -hmm. a, a, a bed and breakfast reservation um, or, or something in, in the hill country or in Dallas mm -hmm. or somewhere three or four or five days in advance that I can cancel. Because if, if you wait to the last minute on that, those places may fill up. Absolutely. So, you know, it's, it's just, it's, it's really understanding your risk and, and, and making a plan for how to deal with it is, is my advice. And that's why obviously what we do. Yeah, so, I mean, you talked a little bit about Allison and then you talked about Rita and, or not Rita, but I wanted to kind of go to Rita because you talked about like the evacuation plans and those type of things. And when Ike and Rita came, during that time frame, evacuation was a huge process that people were going from. And it, there's a lot of people that got scared during that process of evacuating again. And I think we've seen that in some like Harvey and some of the other storms, like people are like, oh, I'm not evacuating because I don't want to get stuck on the highway for four hours. Mm -hmm. What are some things that we can do to kind of mitigate that? And I think really you help us mitigate that with you reaching out and providing insight and doing those type of things. So what else do you, do you feel could help with those type of scenarios and situations sure. that might occur? So let's go back to Hurricane Rita. That was 2005, um, September, um, just about 15 years ago, actually. 
as of a couple of days ago was the anniversary of the, the worst part of the evacuation. You know, that evacuation was historic because it came three weeks after Hurricane Katrina. And so you had a lot of people from Louisiana who had evacuated to Houston um, and you had sort of pictures of, of New Orleans still fresh in people's minds about sort of being stuck at the Superdome or being rescued off roofs. And so everyone was kind of freaked out. Um, however, Rita was the worst case storm for Houston. If you go back and look at the forecast two and a half or three days before landfall. So the time you really need to make the decision on calling an evacuation. It was a terrifying storm. It had maximum sustained winds of 175 miles per hour. And it was forecast to make landfall, you know, 50 or 75 miles down the coast from Galveston. And, and that is the worst case scenario storm. A category, potentially category five, making landfall down the coast from Galveston. So you have the strongest winds and surge over the metro area. Um, that would have been devastating. And so, yeah, people got the hell out and that was the right decision because, mm -hmm. because now where we screwed up, where the messaging was messed up was, you know, you really need to call Galveston Island and then Galveston County and Brazoria County first because those coastal residents are the ones vulnerable surge. They need to get out. Um, so there was, there, we learned, the community did learn lots of lessons after Rita. That's the point I want to make. We are in a much better position as a city, multi-county and state because of Rita. Um, there are plans now. There were no plans at the time to implement ContraFlow, which means that you would open up both sides of the freeway on I-10, on I-45, and, and maybe tonight to, to, to allow people to just get out, right? right. Um, we now have those contingency plans and they can be implemented quickly. There are, there are plans to stockpile fuel and food um, in communities that need to evacuate and along the, the, the evacuation route so you don't have people running out of gas mm -hmm. um, along the way. Um, and there's also a much better understanding of, uh, of the messaging of you know, typically you run from a storm surge and hide from, from wind. And, and that means basically like if the storm is gonna push a big storm surge and you're within 10 feet of, you know, the sea level, you know, you need to go, right? But if, but if it's forecast to be 120 mile per hour winds, typically the advice is to, to, to stay behind unless, you know, losing power for a week or two would, would you know, be really threatening to you, things like that. So on a number of different fronts, since Rita, we are much better positioned. And I think you saw that during Hurricane Ike because the, the Ike evacuation, while there were certainly some problems, the mayor of Galveston waited way too long to call an evacuation during Ike, um, among other things. Um, but there was a more staggered approach um, during Ike. And, and during Laura, you know, the forecasts were more accurate because just the models are better 15 years later. And, and also sort of that better understanding allowed the county judge, uh, Harris County Judge um, Nina Hidalgo and, and other officials to sort of make better decisions and smarter decisions. And ultimately we avoided evacuation. I mean, you, you could have, I could very easily have justified a large scale evacuation, at least of areas south of I-10 on, on the Tuesday morning before Laura made landfall. Um, it was, it, it looked pretty serious at that time. Obviously the storm turned quite a bit and we really didn't see any effects here. But I think we're getting much better at that. I don't think we'll ever see a situation like Rita again. 
However, <laughs> the caveat to that is that at the time, you know, there were about 5 million people in the metro area and now it's 7 million people. Yep. And so every year there's more people down on the coast and other parts of the area. So even as you're better prepared and making smarter calls on evacuations, there are just more people to evacuate. So, you know. Yeah, it's it's got to be something that we continue to focus on and continue to grow in as a city and put that in infrastructure into. And that's, that's another thing we really want to talk to you. I know we got a few more minutes left, but um, talking about, especially with in your last one of your last posts, you were talking about tropical storm beta and how it really tested our systems and things for hurricane that were implemented after Hurricane Harvey. So what are some things that um, that you think we can take away from that so we can improve on just like we did with evacuation plans or, or those type of things? So uh, it sounds like we're getting in a place where those are under control or at least where we can kind of forecast them or know what have a plan of attack. But now with beta testing us with things that are implemented after Harvey, what things can we do or what do you feel for like flood mitigation or those type of things for the city of Houston? Yeah, so there, you know, there's, there's three main threats from a hurricane. Um, there's storm surge, which Hurricane Ike tested in 2008. And there's been talk about building a coastal barrier or Ike Dyke or something like that. Um, and 12 years later, we're still talking about it. And so, you know, there seems to be a little bit of movement um, I know the land commissioner, George P. Bush, is, is pushing it, and some of the local officials are, are talking about it. The county judge and, and, and mayor are fully supported for the first time. So hopefully that moves a little bit because there's so much, so much vulnerable to storm surge. The second one is, is inland rainfall, which, which you mentioned, which Harvey, I'm confident, represents sort of the reasonable worst case scenario. Like, like in our lifetimes, if we see another flood storm like that, you know. We need to get out. Houston will not be home okay? <laughs> anymore if that happens again, because that was really a historic storm. Um, and and you know we've seen some 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 steps taken to widen, like Bra work on Braze Bayou was completed. There's been some other work, you know, to widen things, but but we have not made the kinds of you know smart decisions about increasing the size and, and digging new retention ponds, um, fully widening bayous, you know, putting, putting restrictions on development in the sense that if you're going to build up an area, you need to make sure that you're flood neutral. So you need to have a set amount of side, set aside for, you know, storing, you know, retaining rainwater, things like that. Um, and that's really going to take local, state, and federal action, and, and we just haven't seen it. And, and frankly, you know, Beta was a pretty piddling tropical storm in the sense that, um, you know, it really had one main rain band. It didn't have three or four. That rain band was only 10 to 15 miles wide. It just happened to set up over the I-45 corridor, which is why places like Pearland and Friendswood, you know, saw so much rain. Um, and the other thing about it is that because of all the dry air and the middle levels of the atmosphere, the rainfall rates just weren't that high. You know, in, even within that rain band, the, the rates were generally one and a half to one and a half inches of rain. You know, and during Harvey, we saw rainfall rates in excess of six inches per hour. And it's really the rainfall rates that drive that really flat kind of fast flash flooding that where the, the water just starts rising and, and doesn't stop. Um, and, and, and while, you know, while Clear Creek flooded um, and there was some modern homes and, and obviously it got pretty high, 
And, and that was partly due to the, all the rain. It was about 15 to 16 inches of rain over parts of that basin. And also the surge coming in from, from beta, you know, had, had already raised water levels. And that makes it more difficult for the bayous to drain. Um, you know, we saw four to six to eight inches of rain over other bayous like Buffalo Bayou, the White Oak Bayou, Cypress Creek that brought those bayous up to the edges of their banks. And, and that's just not that much rain for Houston. That is not a rare rainfall event. And so, you know, my take home message from beta was that, <clears throat> you know, if we, sorry, this is terrible, but if we beta tested, you know, the <laughs> region's flood system after Harvey, it, it failed because it, it, it literally brought the bio system to its knees and we will see storms much worse than beta, you know, in the near future. Yeah, well, well, thank you so much for sharing that. And I know uh, one thing that uh, we really want this podcast to be about is to be able to celebrate the people and places of Houston that, that call Houston home. And that's what we're doing. That's why we're fortunate to be able to have you because we want to celebrate you. And we also want to challenge people and be a resource for them just as, just as Space City weather is. So if we could challenge people to whether it's um, fighting for flood mitigation or doing those things, like we want to be able to do that and we want to uh, be able to be a, a place where people could come and um, be educated and learn and, and dive into. So we're, we're so grateful that you took the opportunity or the time out of your day to speak with us and share a little bit about your history from moving to Houston and kind of what drives your passion and uh, sharing your knowledge with us. So thank you so much for your time. Uh, I truly appreciate it. I know Charity does as well too. Absolutely. So, thank you. Um, closing out, uh, We'd love to just hear why you call Houston home and what you love about Houston. And then how can people find you? How can we support you? And uh, what, what can we do to help the city of Houston as a whole? Yeah, so um, there's many things to love about Houston. Is it, it, There's always been the saying, um, it's a nice place to visit, but I wouldn't want to live there, right? <laughs> and I think Houston's the opposite of that. It's not a nice place to visit, but you would want to live here. Yeah. Um, because you know the, the food is great, the people are nice, um, houses are affordable. Um, there's lots of amenities. Um, the economy is good. Um, so it, it's a great place to it's a great place to live. Um, mm -hmm. My hope, in addition to addressing flood mitigation, is that everyone would be nice to one another. Um, because that's that's the thing that that. And that's why I like your, your podcast. But I mean, it, on our site, like people are just so nice and so appreciative. And it, it's, 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 it's really, that's one of the things Matt and I love. I mean, it's just people are obviously very grateful um, for, for what, we, what we do. And, you know, on places like Facebook, that often isn't the tenor of the conversation. Okay, for sure. So my, my hope would be that, 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 you know, Houston, we're all in this together. So let's, you know, let's, let's sort of, hold hands let's not sort of shake this um at one another. Uh, to find me it's easy you just just google space city weather or houston weather and, and we pop right up so awesome awesome well thank you so much for joining thank us you. i know uh having it, it's been a true honor so uh be safe have a have an amazing rest of your week and uh, get ready for this fall front that we got coming through i'm excited i'm, I'm gonna be monday morning it's gonna be like christmas eve so <laughs> awesome <laughs> We love talking to Eric today. That was so much fun. You can tell when someone is passionate about what they do, and that certainly came through with him today. So thank you all for joining us for this conversation. Um, another amazing story from someone who calls Houston home. 
Yeah, thank you all so much. And be sure to follow us on all social media platforms at Houston is home. Also subscribe to our YouTube channel and hope you're tuning in on all major podcast platforms. So thank you all so much. Look forward to our next episode and continuing to call Houston home. Have a great one and talk to you all soon.